Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context podcast with Ben and Spencer. Again, I'm not Ben. I'm not Spencer. And this is Caleb. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Caleb is the uh, chaplain at the jail in town, and so he's coming with us to talk about the back half of Deuteronomy. So we're going to have some fun with that. Sounds yep. like a good plan. How you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling better. Have you been on have you ever been on a podcast before? No, this is my first one. So it feels it feels weird having a mic in your face, right? It really does. <laughs> I'm a drummer in my church, you know. I don't have I don't have these microphones staring at me yeah. this uh-huh. house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that. We put two drummers on a couch. I'm not sure how that's gonna work out for us. Ah, we'll be fine. Yeah. So just a reminder, we're in the last book of Torah. We're in Deuteronomy. We've been in the back half, and we had Pastor Sarah Harney on here. She was great. So we're coming into the back half of this this conversation piece, these big speeches that Moses is giving the Israelites. And one of the reoccurring themes and things we've talked about in Deuteronomy is Moses has a very interesting perspective on some of the things that have happened in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Not unlike us, when we're thinking back, we're all like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. And then we actually read back in the story, we're like, not quite what happened, yeah. but it's kind of what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of that today and specifically next week, which uh, I think you're going to stay with us for next week too, right? Uh, that's the plan. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> if you have not read your Bible, then I'm really curious how you got to this podcast. <laughs> Deuteronomy 26 through 30. Deuteronomy 26 through 30. And uh, we have this newfangled technology. It's called a pause button. You can push it Click. and you can come back. I would recommend not reading it while you're driving unless you have an audio Bible, which I do recommend Dwell. I love mm-hmm. Dwell. It's fantastic. Yeah. Though a lot of, like, Tara really likes the U version of yeah. the Bible. She says she really likes that version right there. It's a really funny story about the U version Bible app. My dad listens to the New Living Translation. He's been on the podcast before. My mom hates it because she cannot stand the guy's voice oh, in that so- translation. <laughs> So my dad, every morning, will listen to it, and my mom's just sitting there. She's like, I know this is the Bible, and this is great, but this guy's voice is just do they know something who, else. They, do they know whose voice that is that's speaking in the pot? No. 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 Is it a low voice? No. Not that one. Okay. But there, there has been, uh, you, you don't know this, but we've actually talked about uh, frequently his mom will be like, that's not your voice, Spencer. He's like, yes, mom, I guarantee you I recorded that with Ben. <laughs> yep. And she's, hopefully now that she's actually seeing the video version, she believes us. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that would be the hope, right? Yeah. I thought one of the things that I wanted to point out right away in Deuteronomy 26, chiasms. We love chiasms. Yep. Now, uh, you, you're familiar with chiasms, okay? Yeah, you, why don't you explain them again to me? <laughs> <laughs> That's a way Simple of saying- Western minds. That, that is a way of saying no. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's like, he's like- no, Ben, but thank you for throwing me on the spot. <laughs> allow me to allow me to pretend like I know these things. Of course I do. Um, so, so chiasms are a uh, they're an Eastern form of writing where there is mirrored text. Now, if we were to take it into like a, a Western perspective, we would say there's section A, then there's section B, section C, section D, and then we'd see section C again, B and A, and A would coordinate with A, B would be C with C, and then at the center of the story is going to be this part that's letter D, mm-hmm. and it's what the whole story is about. Now. It's really important that we understand that those exist in the Bible because there's a lot of them 
throughout the Bible. And most of the Jewish writers are going to write that way. And, and ding, 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 if you guessed, most of the writers of the Bible are Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to use this. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Kenneth Bailey has a great book, Paul to Mediterranean Eyes, where he, he calls a ring composition theory, but he actually points out that there's a significant amount of ring composition theory in 1 Corinthians. So not just in Torah, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. A lot of times in the text, when we're talking to people about it, we say, hey, if you start hearing things that are repeating and you hear the same thing over and over again, you should stop because there's probably a chiasm at work. Mm-hmm. So in, in chapter 26, verses 1 through 11, I'm actually going to point one out for you. One of the first things we see is God talks about the, or Moses talks about the fruit from the land. Okay. Mm-hmm. He talks about that at the beginning of the, uh, in verse 1, and he also talks about that at the end. He says, that you're actually going to give God your first fruits. And then it says that the line, they're going to the land that God is giving us, and there's this promise And then it says that you're actually going to be on the back end in the land that was promised to us. And it says that we went down into Egypt. God brought us out of Egypt, mirroring text, right? We were afflicted and he looked on us in our affliction. And the center of this chiasm in verses one through 11 is this this verse. It says, then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the act of tithe, of giving to God, it's, not, it's about remembering where you come from and also remembering the voice of God that brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not like people are like, oh, well, I'm going to give money because, you know, the church needs my money. It, it really doesn't. God really doesn't. I mean, how silly is it to think that God needs your money when the guy can literally speak the universe into existence? Mm-hmm. Very true. This act of tithe where, where Moses is actually talking about you're going to set aside your fellowship offering and your tithe for the foreigners and everybody else, it actually is uh, it is a expression of thanksgiving to what God has actually done in your life. Yes. How different would it be if that's how we approach tithe in general? An attitude of, of, of expression of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You're chuckling over there. I know you got something. We were actually talking about that in jail, that how having an attitude of thanksgiving, how it has a powerful impact on how... It brings out the testimony of what it, what the Lord has done and when we begin to declare the wonderful works of the Lord. So one thing leads to the other through an attitude of thankfulness. That's what I think we've been studying in the jail over this last week for this November. Yeah, that, that's so good. I mean, especially when you think about in, in jail, often you're there because you made some poor decisions. Yeah. And uh, one of the ways to not end up back there is to make better decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so developing this attitude of thanksgiving is really crucial. Yeah. One of the things I think about often with, with jail in general is, is bad decision that is up there. It's like, it's not like any of us are unfamiliar with bad decisions that end us in bad places. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I call I mean, it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, I believe we call that the Christian existence, yeah. right? Yeah. On the back end of 26, mm-hmm. it continues to talk about the tithe, but I want to, it's a little bit different of a, of a chiasm. First, it talks about God's tithe and it says that God gets a tithe and you're supposed to give it to the Levite. You're supposed to give it to the widow, the orphan, the outsider. And then it says there's a sacred portion, and you're supposed to give it to the Levite, the widow, the orphan, the outsider. Hmm, crazy. Then it says of the commands that God has given you, that you've not transgressed the law or forgotten the law. And then in the center it says, not eaten the sacred portion while in mourning, and not went unclean or of the dead. And then on the back end of that chiasm, it says, I listened to the word of God, and I have obeyed everything you commanded me. So there's another little mini chiasm in here. And the reason I think this one particularly is really cool is you have this idea of, the first thing that you do is God's tithe goes to other people. Wow. How you love other people. The sacred portion goes to other people to take care of those people on the outside. Reminder that when you go to eat the fellowship offering, you need to actually remember who you're having it with, mm-hmm. with God, 
And so you don't have it when you're in mourning and you don't have it when you're unclean. You come to God with the right heart, ready to actually have a, have a time with him. It's almost like he's talking about loving God and loving other people well. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, actually, there's actually two chiasms in here. Yeah. Um, did you catch that? I was curious. Uh, which uh, are you talking about in 26 or in uh, 12 through 19? In 26. And it, well, what, there's actually two in one through 19, because you actually have, you have a Miriam chiasm that goes ABC, ABC in one through 19 as well. Right. And then you also have the, the two different chiasms that you're talking about. So three different chiasms total. Yeah. So yeah, you're talking about, there's a, there's a big chiasm, yeah. two mini chiasms. And yeah. it's, it, it, you know, the interesting thing is when you say that, you know what that puts at the center? Take giving God's tithe yeah. to the other people. Yeah. Taking care of those on the outside. Yep. So like the one th- thing we have is you need to learn to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of the people around you and you need to meet with God correctly. But then at the center of that entire idea and all of 26 is actually this idea of make sure you're taking care of those that are on the outside. Yeah. Those that can't take care of themselves. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Cause you got this mirroring chasm that goes on in one and two where it's talking actually about putting aside the first fruits for the Lord and then giving it to the priests in verse two and three. And then you jump down to 12 and then it talks about the same thing in the, in the context of giving to the people. You have this thing where when you give to the church, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be for the people, for the needy in the community around you. Right. Now, I think a lot of times why people are hesitant with tithe is because a lot of times that doesn't happen. I'm not saying every church. There are churches who who take care of the poor very well. But there are also churches who let's just be frank, like when they get their tithe, like very little that goes out to the media in their community. And not even just their community, but the community at large. Yeah. I mean, because you think about there are a number of churches that have like thriving missions programs. Yeah. Like, and I completely understand that hesitancy. And actually, one of the things I remember, I was invited to give the tithing message one Sunday and Pastor Nick chuckled because I said, I said, listen, if you're not going to give with a cheerful heart, don't give your money here. Yeah. In fact, I was like, you should go and if you don't believe that your money is being served well here, like you shouldn't give your money here. That's when the pastors ran up and kicked him off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> that's, no. that's exactly. No, actually, uh, one of one of the interesting things is is the church, our church. I actually want to brag on them is is they're they're very conscious of the money they have. They're very generous, yes. but at the same time, one of the things that I'm starting to notice is they don't really have many money issues. No, like we always have enough. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, that's a sign of people who trust in the desert. Yeah, is that there's always enough. Yeah. There is one last little mini chiasm in here. It's, it says that Moses says that God has commanded you to obey and do it with all your heart and soul. Coming back to the Shema, Lord, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. In the center, it says you have declared you're going to follow God, keeping his decrees, commands, and laws that you will listen. This is what's happening in the center. God declared that you are his people, his treasured possession, and you will keep his commands. So we have your declaration that you're going to follow God and keep his laws. Mm-hmm. And God declares that you're going to be his people and his treasured possession if you follow these things. And then it says that he will set you above in praise and honor above other nations and make you holy to God. Your job is to obey with all your heart, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. The Shema. Now, I thought this was interesting. I thought you guys might have fun. So we've talked a number of times about in Hebrew, there's not as many words in Hebrew, and, and yet sometimes we just translate words into English, and because the words mean similar things in English, we just ignore them. In this, in this verse, it talks about three different kinds of laws. It says there are commands, there are statutes, and there are ordinances. Now, if I say those to an American, they're all pretty much the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
In Hebrew, they are not. Oh, they're actually very different things. Command is sava. It's a S-A-V-A. It's a verb, and it means to command, give charge, or to commission. Okay. I'm really glad you said sava because I saw the T in front of sad. I was like, to sava. <laughs> yeah. So, no, for people who are listening, I put the pronunciation, the phonetic in there. And uh, and so he he read the read the note that I put in there, and yeah. Uh-huh. I, I don't blame you. It looks like Tassava. <laughs> there is there is somebody who's Any listening. Jewish listeners, I'm sorry. Yeah, anybody sorry. who's really good at Hebrew is listening, and they're like, what is wrong with these guys? <laughs> so it's a verb, so it's an action, okay? So the command is an action. So it is implying that you should do something, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the first mention shows up in Genesis 2.16, where it says, the Lord God commanded the man. This is your action. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden. Yep. So the expectation is that the man is going to go and eat from the garden. Mm -hmm. It is an action verb. You might think about Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Okay, it doesn't mean therefore, go. It's as you are going. Yeah. He's commissioning them to go. Okay. This, This law is given with the expectation that action follows it. Okay, so then we have statutes because we're going to talk about these. And it is pronounced hoke. Now, it is a masculine noun, which means that it is a person, place, thing, or idea, right? It means that it is describing something that exists. It comes from the root of hak, and it comes from a masculine noun. Now, the root of it means to cut out, means to decree, to engrave or inscribe, okay? So the noun is actually describing something that's physically carved, Something prescribed. It is a it is a task. It's a portion. It's an action. Like these are the things that are like fundamental. Mm-hmm. Fundamental. Like that is what that's what a statue is. These are the things that you're going to do day in and day out. It is describing your regular activity. Mm-hmm. And then there's a word that is ordinances, which is mishpat. It is masculine noun. It comes from the verb uh, shafat, which is also which also means to judge, govern, or vindicate. Okay, so ordinances is actually about mishpat, which is actually about judgment, vindication, and it is judgment or justice, such as act of deciding a case, making right decisions, the rights, the privileges, the proper fitting measure. Ordinances is actually about things going back to the way that they're supposed to be. Okay, now those are those are very different things. One is a command to do something, to go, to actually be a part of something. One is a list of prescribed activities or something that is going to be like a a stable truth in your life. And then one is about restoring justice. All laws do not mean the same thing in Hebrew. So this is a little bit of Spencer's thought experiment, but you could out of this get go and cut out the evil in your life and govern yourself according to the Lord. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think you absolutely could. And and more my point is that with in general like these laws as a new command I give to you yeah okay a new command implies action yeah these are statutes for you these are things that I expect you to do all the time yeah these are things that are going to be engraved on your on your walls or yeah. maybe engraved on tablets mm-hmm. coming back to the ten words these are ordinances these are how you're going to administer justice inside yeah. of your nation and to the nations around you yeah and it's really important that we point those out because I think a lot of times when we read through the Old Testament we're like Oh, law, commandment, statute, all the same thing. It means if we break these, we are bad people. Well, that's not really what, what they're driving at. God is giving us different things to try to, to prompt inside of us to be a different kind of people. Mm-hmm. A holy people. A set-apart people. Yeah. 
So Spencer, one of the ways that I, I thought to maybe look at this and uh, see, see what you think, God's commission is to go and do things that make you different, mm-hmm. that set you apart, set you apart as holy, and to administer justice to the world as you do that. Yeah. We're setting things right wherever we go. Yeah. Now, people don't always like that, but that's part of the work of judging. Yeah, and this is where operating in truth and love comes into play. Yeah. Because even ancient Israel, even though they were set apart they still operated in a way that welcomed foreigners in. Right. That So it wasn't just, well, we're right, you're wrong, get out of our way, which is a lot of times what we can see today in in the Christian faith. And that's well, and not... That comes from a lot of the conquest literature, which we pointed out, even when they they say, hey, we're going to go and wipe everybody out, like they say, when the foreigners are with you, like yeah. clearly they're still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at this, and this is coming from a perspective of how do we include the foreigners in this mm-hmm. it's not coming from a perspective of shift everything to my way of thinking or die so good i love it so this that takes us to chapter 27 perfect there's actually another chiasm in here but mm-hmm. i did not pull it out because i thought it would be more fun for people to find it themselves yeah if anybody uh finds that send us an email love at gmail.com i'm going to give you a hint it centers on verse three Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in chapter 27, so Moses uh, instructs the people to remember the laws when you cross into the Jordan, set up an altar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once you cross into the land, set up an altar. Mm-hmm. Why? Because remember, how many times has Moses said remember in Deuteronomy? Like a thousand. Yeah. But remember. And then it says, he's got, you're going to build these really large stones. You're going to mm-hmm. cover them with plaster and you're actually going to write the words of the law on the stones. Yeah. Why? So you don't forget. And you fall into the exact same routine that humanity keeps falling into. Yeah. That we just forget the blessings of God over and over and over again. So I am I can be a fairly forgetful person at times. I've never had that, Kate. No, Ben's <laughs> laughing. Ben's laughing. Yeah. But I have a friend who he takes the cake on this one where he has his- I love cake. He has his kids' names and birthdays tattooed on his arm. That's fantastic. So he doesn't forget. That's actually really smart. When I first met him, I was like, oh, how many kids you got? He's like, I got three. Like, looks down at his <laughs> arm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how old are they? Looks back at his arm again. He's like, oh, they're, here's the ages. And I was like, oh, okay. Remembering is very important. This is kind of a silly example. But remembering is important because if we don't remember where we come from, we're not going to actually be able to lead other people from their story of sin to their story of redemption. We all have different stories in our lives, but if we forget where we come from, how are we expected to lead others? Yeah. Well, and I think there's uh, there's there's two things that happen when you forget your past. Mm-hmm. One is that you lack empathy mm-hmm. for the people who are coming from that past. Yeah. Like their, their present is your past. Yeah. I see that a lot of times in the church, right? Somebody comes in and they, they say yes to Jesus and they're like, all right, here's the list of 150 things you need to do today. Happened to me, like I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas we talked about a few weeks ago when Moses tells him, he says, "Hey, God's taking you into this land, but He's not going to let you have it all at once. It's mm-hmm. going to be piece by piece, mm-hmm. be, not because it's going to benefit God, but because if you take it too fast, you're going to fall prey to yeah deception. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's actually for your benefit that it goes piece by piece. Mm-hmm. You had a great drop in where you said we do that with people all the time, and yet like." We expect them to change automatically, but God's actually trying to do it piece by piece so that Mm -hmm. over time, the entire land is conquered and we don't fall to deception. Yeah. 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 So so there's empathy. We lack empathy. Or 
we start to be, we start to have these rose tinted glasses, what life used to be like. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about this. I remember with, with Pastor Nick and, and, and Caleb, you are, how long have you been married now? You know, um, just a little over five years. So how slow you answered that. You might need a tattoo that. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. No, 2024 will be six years. <laughs> Fantastic. Do you remember living by yourself? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was your house clean? No. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know, see for all the bachelors out there. Okay. So I own my own place. Yeah. Okay. So what I would do is I would stuff blankets under the bed. That way, when I went to bed at night, I would just pull the blankets out. Put them, put them over me on the bed. Then when I wake up, the door, I stuff them back under the bed. I never had to make my bed. You brilliant. know, it, it was it was best. And you know, paper plates, you know, that worked really good. But of course, when my when my wife, after I got married, when she moved into the house, she wanted to know what all these blankets were going to do under the bed. I said, no, I never sleep in the bed. I always slept on top of the bed with all this. Well, she told me I had to stop. Well, I I used to think that I was clean, <laughs> and then I got married, yeah. and then my wife started being like, oh no, this isn't clean. You have to fix that. And then, like, I went and visited a bachelor in their house, and I walked in. I'm like, why is everything filthy? Because <laughs> I've been married for 13 years now, yeah. and, and, like, I've grown accustomed to a certain standard of living. But, like, in your rose-colored glasses, how many people are, like, you'll talk to them, and they'll be like, oh, man, you know when you used to live by yourself, you could stay out late, you could play video games all night? I got to work in the morning. <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm not playing video games all night. I saw Instagram reel where it was like, where as an adult being like, I can't wait to be, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to be an adult because I could stay up past nine o'clock and do whatever I want. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like nine o'clock, I'm going to bed. There's no shame in that. No, no, there's no, I, I was just laughing because I was like, yeah, that's, that's 100% correct. And, and one more thing to alienate our Gen Z listeners. I, I saw the, the, one of the TikToks and they were talking about one of the TikToks, by the one way, they're going to be like. Oh man, we can't listen to this guy. Where he's like, "Oh yeah, you want you ready to go out? You want to go out to dinner?" He's like, "Sure." What time are you going to go? And he's like, "I figure we should probably get there about 8:30 p.m." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "He's oh yeah, you're right. That's probably too early. Probably like get there by nine nine thirty p.m." <laughs> yeah. You know, but here's the thing. Okay, but you get these rose colored glasses on things uh-huh. that you like were really like not great. Yeah. I had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, oh man, I really wish I was in my 20s again. I was like, I don't wish I was in my 20s. You know what was the worst about my 20s? I had no money. Yeah. Huh? It was terrible. I, I was in a job I didn't really particularly care for. I've, I've enjoyed being married to my wife for a decade. There is a different level of intis- intimacy that we have after 13 years that we didn't have at five. But people have this idea, these rose-tinted glasses of, of, these, of these things that they want. And we actually see that happening in the life of Israel. They're like, well, we want kings like other people have. We want to eat pork like other people eat pork i mean i don't blame them pork is delicious but at that time but at that point you were very likely to get trigonosis because they're not cooking here we want to look like everybody else we want the blessings of random gods too and they forget where they come from Mm -hmm. forgetting where you come from is a big deal i know that deuteronomy basically been saying remember remember the 5th of november i'm sorry (laughs) that's that's a different that's something else but we've been remember remember everything over and over again and the crazy thing is, is as many times as Moses says, remember, they you forget. forget. Mm-hmm. Not that that would be a problem in the modern church. Of course not. You ever, uh, Caleb, have a conversation with somebody on Wednesday and they're and you're like, hey, you remember on Sunday when they were saying blah, blah, blah? And they're like, was I there? Yep. And you know, I've, I've been guilty of that myself. So I've been, I've been blessed to have God do some crazy things in my life. Yeah. Miraculous things, things that people say don't happen, but God did them in my life. 
You know, the crazy thing is that the further I get from it, the more my brain tries to tell me it never happened. Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote in the time I wrote exactly what happened and reminded myself because over time I forget. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes even we fail to remember how amazing the grace of Jesus has been in our life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have this old Bible. I actually wrote my testimony down at the front of it on the inside just so that I would always have that for whoever would read it when I'm not around right there because just growing up, growing up in a harsh life and a very starch religious background that was a borderline cult. At the age of 17, growing up in church all my life, it wasn't until I was 17 when I just, I just gave it up and I just said, Lord, just take it all, take it all. And, you know, it was very painful back in the, back then when I was, you know, from zero to 17, it was, it was very rough. And, you know, there's a part of me that fights those memories, but at the same time, I've come to terms with it and I have to realize I remember that so I could be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I remember that so I could look about how far the Lord has brought me from. So copying it and, and referencing to it is actually a gift. You know, there's there's things that maybe we can't be grateful for in life, but we can remember what got us out of there yeah. that could keep us from going back. Well, and to your point, you're not actually remembering it with shame. You're remembering it because of God's grace. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a victory. Which actually plays really well into what we're going to be talking about next because Moses does a kind of strange thing. He has the tribes go stand on different mountains and they're going to yell back and forth at each other, blessings and curses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think about one Sunday? We just like line up chairs, have people stand on them, and we'll yell blessings and curses at each other. Our church actually probably wouldn't find that super weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I know that, I know that uh, the church God probably definitely would not. Well, it might, know, it might get a little too poignant. Well, I, I'm just going to say there's people that testify things that shouldn't be said out loud toward other people. You know, they don't mention their names. We've had to cut the live stream a few times. So all you pastors, be careful with testimonies and prayer request time. Just saying. Speaking of live stream, <laughs> this is this is an aside, but I promise I promise all of you that it's worth it. I remember a story <laughs> from your guys' live stream during COVID. It was like during the COVID times. Boy. And it was it involved it involved communion. <laughs> so great. So I wasn't so there. I, I went through a period of time where I worked Sundays for two years. So during COVID, we had to change the way we did communion. So we ordered in you know those premixed little like juice juice like you know little plastic shots. Yeah, they've got shots, they've got the shots. juice and they got the, they got the bread cracker on top. thing. Yeah. yeah. So the bread that tastes like uh, edible styrofoam. Yeah, the styrofoam. Yeah. It's I don't. All, yeah, all I'm disgusting. telling you is that when you eat that, you are not tasting that the Lord is good. Oh, I know. So I'm at work and I get off work. Then my phone rings and this it was the pastor's son, and the pastor's son Caleb sat down. You wouldn't believe what just happened. Okay, he's like, get on the live stream. They hand these cups out to everybody and they had a beautiful ceremony, great message, and we all took took the bread, and you know then we start talking about the blood of Jesus and everybody took a sip and the look on everybody's face. Well, my pastor didn't inspect it. And so he served the congregation, the real stuff. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yes. So Amazon sent us some spiked, some real wine. You know, we, we served the congregation, the real stuff. And I was not there, but, but I have the live stream and I have the video as proof. And if you thought you church seen it all, we've done it. Yeah. So when, when I was watching that, I saw Kyle Quinn, he's cause he's doing the music and I saw him take the shot 
and immediately turned his back to the entire congregation, and he was convulsing with laughter because he couldn't withhold it. My favorite is that your pastor, he took a swig, he looks at it, and he's, well, that was different. Yeah, it was very, it was very interesting. Sometimes weird things happen. So that's definitely like one of the craziest moments you've had in church. Oh yeah. So Moses, on the other hand, he says, "Hey, I want you to tribes. I want you to go line up on different mountains. We're going to shout some curses at each other, some shouts and blessings and curses. Uh-huh. But we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. To set yourself up on opposing mountains, and each of you curses and blessings. And it's an interesting picture for sure, right? Yeah. We've spent a lot of time on curses, so I don't really want to sit on these for a really long time because I think as a church historically we've focus too much on curses. Yeah. And we need to talk about what is God actually wanting us to do. I want people to actually live for God. I don't want to live them them in fear of the curses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in taking a look into chapter 28, Moses goes through and he says, if you follow God and you obey him, these are going to be your blessings. Mm -hmm. You're going to be blessed in the city and in the country. You're going to have the fruit of your womb, the land, the herds are going to be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough are going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed when you come in and when you go. God is going to grant you victory. He's going to scatter your attackers. Blessings on your barn and on all of your, put your hand to. Blessings on the land that he is giving you. By the way, that's a reversal of Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because curses and land because of you. Now, if you obey, the land's going to be blessed because of yep. you. Wow. Hmm. There's a lot of reversal of that chapter in this Mm -hmm. section. He's going to make you a holy people. People will see the greatness of God. There's going to be abundance in your family, in your herds, and in your crops. God's going to open up the heavens, then bless all of the works of your hands, and you will lend to many, and you will borrow from none. So you're still going to be generous. You will be the head, not the tail. Always on top, not on bottom. That's a good list of blessings. And all these blessings, you know, they're not made to be contained from within. They're made to influence the outside world around us, not just to stay in one place. Correct. That's going back to Genesis 12, which is you are blessed so that all nations would be blessed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's exactly. And and I think the, the problem is, is that when you tend to bring these blessings for yourself, you actually betray the very thing that is actually required to receive these blessings. Yeah which is that you're listening to the voice of God and you're acting within his character. Now, if you don't follow God and you don't listen to his decrees and you don't follow his ordinances and you don't administer justice, which is something that Israel runs into difficulty again and again, you're going to invite the opposite. And there are a lot of them and you can go and read them. I'm not going to read them for you today. There's a lot of them and a lot of them are really, really quite, quite graphic oh, at yeah. times. Now, and the question I had, are they receiving curses because God is bringing them on him or because he's removing his protection? Well, in this text, it doesn't, this chapter in particular, doesn't directly say the Lord's bringing curses upon them. Correct. And I think the implication would be that the presence of God brings blessing. Yeah. So I would say it's, I would, I would say it's more of what are you invested in brings, brings upon natural consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think curses is the language they use at the time knowing where you're invested right because where you're invested is that's what's going to produce fruit in your life well and if you invest in selfishness you're going to reap yeah selfishness yeah if you invest in righteousness you're going to reap righteousness yeah so knowing where you're invested produces different fruit in your life i'm not just talking like are you invested in the lord or or are you not because there are things that you can be invested in that could look good on the outside, mm-hmm. but could still benefit you, benefit your selfish desires. Right. 
And ultimately, we want to be invested in Christ and what he has for us. And that's going to produce the best fruit in our life. But if we're invested in selfish endeavors, we might succeed in those selfish endeavors, but we might burn a lot of bridges along the way. And so, and so like there are going to be natural consequences for, for the choices we make and where we invest our time and our energy. Well, and I think, I think like sin tends to lead to sin, which leads to sin. Yeah. So you work in the jail. Yeah. How many people who land in for an offense, such as stealing the car, that was the first thing that they did that stepped out of law? No. There, there's a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that we, we confuse safety with what we call legalism. And mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that a lot. Growing up in a very legalistic background, I, I totally get it. And, you know, the, the difference between legalism and grace, I think one of the top things is that legalism is when you make up sins along the way, mm-hmm. you know. Now, grace is the empowered that keeps you from, you know, there's certain doors that that we shouldn't open. I was actually, I actually was watching this. Uh, it was the testimony of Ted Bundy, you know, mm-hmm. of all people, they go into the horror horrors of what he did. It all started with, you know, like looking number one rejection, number two, just that little bit of pornography that wasn't even considered really pornographic. It was just mm-hmm. like, we saw this image attracted, but then they started to pursue it. Then they pursue it and it got heavier dutier. Well, they got to fill that, so they went on to the next thing, and it right. kind of grew from there. So they get in this pattern of something that happened, some of them as young as five years old. Well, it just takes one trip over and, that line. And to your point is you rarely it's it's the, what actually lands you in jail is the offense, 100%. Like you stole a car, you land in jail because you stole a car. Right. The reason you stole the car happened decades before. Yeah. Like, it's not something that happened overnight. Now, I'm not saying it can't, but rarely is that actually the case. There's usually something that happened. I was actually just reading the story of an evangelist, and I forget what the name is. He was talking about his experience. He grew up, was in the Army, got discharged, and he went on, a like, a thief spree across the U.S. and ended up in jail, found Christ in jail. But he was talking about when he was a kid, and he was trying to read, and he was recounting this story. His dad, he said, I'm going to waterboard you if you don't say these words Five years old. Five years old. Mm-hmm. What kind of damage are you causing to your kids? And until you actually uncover that, I mean, like, it, you're you're going to have a lot of this behavior that keeps cropping up over and over again. It's one of the things the psychologists have been trying to deal with for a long time. God absolutely will change everything about your circumstance, but you also got to do the work to dig up your past. Yeah. Uproot your past. Because it's been there for a long time, and he's going to fix every hurt. But he's not going to be with all at once. It's piece by piece. Otherwise, it's going to overwhelm you. Yeah. And you're going to be deceived. We're really good at cutting down the tree, but it's getting to the root that where we have struggled with. In the section on curses, there's actually another mini chiasm. And I'm not going to do the whole thing here, but there's a chiasm in the back half, and it talks about how bad it's going to be. And it culminates with verses 53 through 57. If you want to see some really difficult verses, go read those ones. But it talks about a family literally devouring itself. Mm. Literally. Okay, not figuratively. The idea of the chiasm is that your enemies will conquer, the foreigner will become greater, the land will be devoured and destroyed, the crops will be devoured and destroyed, the animals will be devoured and destroyed, all down to the family itself being devoured and destroyed. Mm -hmm. And you see this, like it's not one piece, it's one piece and then another piece and then another Mm -hmm. piece and then another piece to where there's total depravity. Yeah. This total destruction. And it's not a pretty picture, and it sounds it's it's like heinous, 
and it and it's not how it's supposed to be. And but that is what sin is. And we have to have grace with people because they get caught up in that. Yeah. Okay. Because in chapter twenty nine, guess what happens? There's the renewal of the covenant. Mm-hmm. Blessing and curse of language sets up this renewal of God's covenant with the people. There's this new generation of renewal of the vows. And Moses forewarns them that if they don't trust God but they and follow after God, but instead they chase all these gods that are around him, they're likely going to end up in the exact same place where they're having trouble trusting God again. Yeah. And it centers on this verse of hope in verse 13, which says this. Confirm you this day as his people. He confirms you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because God wants to bring this about in your life. He wants to partner with you with your story. Sin is waiting at your door, waiting to devour you, but you got to conquer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one, one thing that's never mentioned in scripture, and this is actually kind of a fun little side note, is because I've heard this in church a lot growing up, is, oh, forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. It's like the forget part's actually never mentioned. No. Correct. Don't hold it against them. Absolutely. Like if you forgive somebody, don't hold that sin you've forgiven against that person because then you haven't forgiven them. But you need to remember. You need to remember where you came from, where they came from. That's going to allow you to have grace with them too. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to put yourself in that same situation again for whatever happened. Well, I think think where people get it is they come from the psalm where it says as far as the east is from the west, Mm -hmm. God far has God removed it from your sin. And then there's a, there's a verse that talks about it. It's slipping into the sea of his forgetfulness. Once again, that's not what they're really talking about. No. Is that God's not holding it against you. Yeah. My thing that I love about chapter 29 and into 30 is that even in your failure, your sin and your darkness, because verses 53 through 57 are pretty dark. Mm -hmm. There is hope and it shows up in chapter 30. God says that you're always welcome back mm-hmm. you're always welcome back and thank god that is the case yeah all right so i want to point out a few since we had some fun with these earlier we'll point out a few mini chiasms here in chapter 30 let's just take a look here so in verse one it says if you take to heart these laws wherever you are dispersed and then take a look at verse three it says from the nations you've been scattered to mm-hmm. then in verse two you have and you return to god and verse three it says god will restore and bring you back and then right in the center, it says, with all your heart and soul, the Shema. Mm-hmm. Once again. Now in this larger version, take a look at verses 1 through 3. It says, when you remember and follow with your heart and your soul. Versus verse 10, it says, if you listen to the voice of God and follow with all your heart and your soul. Verses 3 through 5, God will turn it around and bring you back. Now, obviously, this is not a literal quote. This is me summarizing these sections, guys. Mm-hmm. 7 through 9 says, curses will go away and you will be brought home. And it centers on verse 6 where it says this, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, it's really interesting how it says that the circumcision of the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the very first martyr, Stephen, when he Don't gave- Google that. <laughs> no, don't so, do that. that. That's a callback to a few episodes ago. <laughs> but uh, I, I may or may not have accidentally told people to Google it. Okay. You know, it's it's really interesting that, you know, the very first martyr for Christianity, you know, Stephen, he gives this dynamic speech and he takes them to the beginning, coming out of Egypt when they rebelled against God and all these different things happened about what they did to the God's messengers, the prophets. But they did, no harm came to him 
after he gave this speech. But right before they took him out and stoned him, which means throwing rocks at somebody until they die, everybody, not the other thing. I mean, it means the other thing too, but in this context. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing that before they took him out and stoned him to death, it says, and they were pricked within their hearts. Mm -hmm. When they felt that, that's when they went crazy and they took him outside. So the Holy Spirit was doing a work, but the, the resisted the work that the Holy Spirit was doing. They were circumcised in flesh, yes, but it added up to a heart issue of this, of a supernatural effect that only God could bring about if we will let him. So they, they carried the physical sign of the covenant, but they didn't carry it in their heart. Yep. Remember obeying, coming back to God is always available. There's no place that you can go that's too far and no curse too great. It can't be lifted. Wow. Yeah. I'm also reminded with this whole idea of you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you said that they, they were pricked in their hearts. Yeah. Jesus makes a statement when they're like, well, by whose authority are you making this claim? He says, you look in the scriptures for God and I'm standing right in front of you. If you knew the father, you would know me. Mm -hmm. He's very clear with them. He says, if you understood what Torah was about, you would recognize the guy standing in front of you. Which is why a lot of Jews did recognize who Jesus was. They just didn't recognize him as the son of God because, I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Nobody really understood what that meant until yeah. Jesus came back to life. Oh, yeah. Like, they didn't understand what that meant. But they did recognize him as the Messiah that God has been planning for the entire time. Another callback to the New Testament. I love this. In verses 11 through 14, uh, he makes a comment. He says, the commands aren't hard to reach. And the back half, it says, they're reachable by you. Another mini chiasm. It says, they aren't in heaven, nor are they across the sea. The word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. It reminds me of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I love to, you know, I'm a little bit of a rabble rouser. I, I mean, hopefully at this point, you guys have kind of figured that out. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a rabble rouser, but I had somebody tell me, they're like, we just need to preach the gospel. I was like, yeah, the one Jesus preached. Just so you know, if I ever jump on that quickly, I'm probably setting you up. <laughs> and they, they said, they said, yeah, the gospel Jesus preached. I was like, what was that? Then they said that God came to save sinners. I was like, have you read the Gospels? Because he never says that. That's not what he's talking about. In fact, the Gospel, the euangelion, the good news that Jesus preached was that the kingdom of heaven is here and it's time to come back. And then through his life, death, burial, and resurrection and empowerment by the Holy Spirit, we are changed and able to live into that kingdom. That's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And to go back to the forgiveness of sinners piece. Yeah. That's the doorway. That's there's an that's the entrance right there. Yeah. That's supposed to lead you into restoration, into redemption, into a restored relationship with God where he is over time changing your character. Yeah. And oftentimes we just stop at the forgiveness of sinners. This is what it's about. It's about forgiveness of sins. Yep. That's part of it. A very important part. Very important part. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't mishear me listeners it's very important but the kingdom of heaven is near jesus came to restore a broken world to him forgiveness is part of that but the restoration takes time all right well and how often are we like we want to talk about the door jesus being the door for forgiveness and then we're like let's hang out at the door well like here's the thing my front door is really cool uh-huh you know it's way cooler my kitchen where i make my food uh-huh like there's, there's a whole life that a lot of Christians never walk into because they're they're at the door. And the door is so important because it's how you get in and out. All right. Well, yeah. we, we live in Alaska, right? Yeah. 
So if 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 I invited a bunch of people over to my house and said, "Hey, <laughs> oh, come hey, stand out outside <laughs> at the front door we're recording this in November," they'd probably be like, "No, no, we're not going <laughs> to do that unless yeah. we're welcome into your home at some point." Yeah, I will walk through that. Door. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll engage with the life inside. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I think sometimes we forget that we're being invited to a lifestyle, and not just a forgiveness. Yeah. Like forgiveness is part of that. Mm-hmm. Jesus is my savior, but he's also my Lord, which yeah. means that I'm going to follow him and follow his commands and follow his leading wherever I go. Yeah. And it's not just about being saved. It's actually about service to my savior. Yeah. About living a life that's actually meant to bring God's lost kids home. Yeah. Jesus told us time and time again, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, when you love somebody, You'll do what they want to get close to them. Well, and so one of the best imageries I've heard of sin, and some of you are going to, Ben's heard this one before. Oh, no. Caleb, I don't know if you've heard this one, but <laughs> I was at a youth conference one time, and, was, and the speaker said, yeah, living with sin is every time, is like every time you have to take a dump, you just take a crap in the middle of your living room and leave it there. And then over time, that piles up. Oh, yeah. Piles up. Piles up. House stinks. And then someone comes, knocks on the door, being Jesus, and is like, "Hey, let's. Let, I'm going to help you take care of that." Yeah. yeah. And, and what the what the speaker said is, he's like, "It doesn't mean that Jesus is going to come and it's all going to be gone instantly." Yeah. Right. But he's going to be there, and he's going to help you clean that up. Yeah. Clean that up, and then once that gets cleaned up, and you realize this is what life was supposed to be like in my house, in my home. Wow. It was not supposed to be the filthy rotty stinky mess that it was Mm -hmm. right it's so good yeah that is good so to finish up what moses is saying in chapter three he comes before them and he says hey listen you got two options you can obey god and you can follow him and he's going to accomplish all of these things all these things through you or you can go without him remember you're the weakest by far he's told him this so far there's nothing particularly special about you except the fact that god loves you yeah and he doesn't walk with you. So if you go without him, you're probably going to get crushed. But there is no sin too deep, no transgression too far that God won't bring you back. But you've got to want to come back because he's not going to force you. You might say that he stands at the door and he knocks. And he knocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he invites you into, into a different kind of life. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's powerful. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up our episode right there. If you are watching us on YouTube, I apologize. We were like, hey, you know what? Let's add 50% more man face <laughs> on this on this podcast. I'm sure that your wife loves you and my wife loves me, but not everybody who's looking at me is like, oh, that's a handsome man. <laughs> oh, you know. The camera hasn't broken yet. Oh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if you if you want to interact with us more, you can email us at loveandcontext at gmail.com. We have our uh, Q&A coming up. So if we've talked about something, you're like, hey, I wish you'd talk a little more about that. Uh, send us a note and we'll talk about that in our Q&A. Yep. That is coming up actually in two episodes. It's actually the one after you. Mm-hmm. If you want to interact with us, we're on Facebook. We're on the Tickety Talk. We're on Instagram. We are on the YouTube. You can also listen on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a lot more. And I'm not going to try to remember who all they are. Not Google. Not Google. Not, not Google. Google Podcasts. Yeah. Don't Google that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That's a wrap for today's episode. 
we want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. <laughs> That's always the thing that I like to... By the way, uh, one of the bloopers that I left off last episode was you going, bah! like right at the beginning of the episode. Say hi, Caleb. Hey, guys, how's it going? Say hi closer to your mic. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> I- I'll say that correctly. And then it says, of the God... Or... You have an interpretation for those tongues, Ben. I do not. I do. It's called gibberish. <laughs>